Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do. With status post adulting. Hey, status post adulting family. This is Sammy and Michelle. And you're listening to episode 93 of our podcast, where we are revisiting fire. That's right, Sammy. We are 90 episodes in, y'all, 93 if you want to be exact. And we thought this would be a good time to do a refresher on one of our favorite topics, financial independence retire early, because we reference it a lot and we wanted to make sure that we made sure everybody was up to date. And on top of that, Fire has been, what's the word? It's in the ethos right now. Trending. People are, it's trending. In the lexicon. It's in all of those things, the zeitgeist, if you will. And so we wanted to do a quick refresher at the beginning and then talk a little bit about it culturally so you can have our point of view on some of those things, as well, of course, as share a little bit of our personal thoughts on financial independence and how it's been affecting our lives. Yes, we definitely want to share about our journey with FIRE so far. Because we are not done with our journey, but Mm -mm. we are on this journey together, which is even better in my opinion. No, I agree. I agree. And what is FIRE? Financial independence, retire early? It's a movement. What does it mean to be financially independent? That may be your question. It does not mean that you are not asking your parents for money. No, it means that you are not asking a W-2 for money. You have enough money invested or in assets to live for the rest of your life. Sounds good. Sounds like a lot of money. Turns out it's less than maybe you're thinking. Definitely less than I expected. Me too, Michelle. In the FIRE community, they often use the 4% rule, which is based off of a study called the Trinity Study, to determine what your financial independence number is. And this number is calculated by taking whatever you spend in one year and timesing it by 25. That number is the amount of money that you need invested to live forever, assuming a 4% interest rate. For example, if you use $60,000 a year, then you times that by 25, you get 1.5 million. So 1.5 million is a number that you need to live forever because 4% of 1.5 million is 60,000. So if you're getting an average of a 4% interest rate and you're spending $60,000 a year, then you actually never really go down on the principal and you will have enough money to live forever. Well, uh, just to clarify, when Sammy says forever, she means until you die. This is not tuck everlasting. Yeah, this assumes that you'll probably die. No offense. At some point. But anyway, not really, but kind of, yes. Which is fun because this is basically our Halloween episode, so cool. (laughs) So fun. Moving on. There is actually a number that you can tie your wagon to if you want to. And yes, 1.5 million sounds like a lot, but let's say you live only on $20,000 a year. Then your fine number is 500,000. And 500,000 sounds a lot more doable, especially when you have a plan to reach that goal. 
That's exactly right, Sammy. So we'll put some links in the show notes so you can also calculate some of these numbers yourself. But it gives you an idea that you don't need to be Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Kanye West. Susie Orman. Susie Orman. These rich bigwigs who are enjoying their good life. And I'm assuming fire. All of these people, I don't know what their spending rate is. (laughs) Some of them seem questionable, but at least the billionaires can't spend a billion dollars fast enough. Exactly, Michelle. And some of the key tenets of FIRE, the FIRE movement, is that you keep a high savings rate. You save a high percentage of your income. People typically say, oh, save 10% of your income. The FIRE movement's like, nah, save 50% of your income. Because the more percentage of your income you save, the sooner you can hit that FI number, the sooner you can technically retire. And the thing is, you're going to be at different seasons of your life when it comes to making money and saving money. For example, a trajectory that's pretty linear might be that when you start making money, you're in a place where you might be just trying to pay your bills, trying to stay afloat. Ideally, you might be able to make a little bit more money, save a little bit. And at some point, you might even be making more money than your little heart could have dreamt of. And instead of also raising your spending by buying that new car, new house, new shoes, new whatever, instead you actually save a good amount so that instead of spending a lot of money now, you can save that money, invest it in something like an index fund, and then have more financial stability when you're older. Exactly, Michelle. Don't spend your money on things you don't want. Save the money and you can be liberated eternally. I love that. For Sammy and I, when we discovered financial independence, for different reasons, it really, really resonated with us. Yes. Michelle and I, once we started working, we kind of went on almost like a financial spending rumspringer. Yes. We didn't know that there was no end in sight for that. Yes. We were spending tons of money. Maybe we weren't going into consumer debt from our spending, but... We were pretty much spending most of what we had. We didn't really have great financial literacy. And so once we were paying our bills and doing okay, like we had jobs, we didn't really think much past, oh, what do we do with our money? For me, luckily I was saving my money. I'm a natural saver. But I was definitely still taking a lot off the top. And we were living in San Francisco. There's just a million different ways you can spend your money in San Francisco. There is a company to do anything for you if you're willing to pay for it. Yes. You can literally outsource anything you do in San Francisco, which seems great until you realize you just really didn't need to outsource everything that you could do. Exactly. Especially when you could have saved that money. For me, though, a major turning point was when I left my job at the end of 2020. Left, quote unquote, people were just picked off for my team one by one until nobody was left. And I realized in that moment, one, my mental state wasn't great. So I didn't necessarily want to jump back into the job market. But also I started to look at my savings and I was doing the math and I realized, hey, I can actually make this last for a pretty long time, especially if I take advantage of certain things like my parents wanted me to move home which I did that year. Now we moved somewhere that's a low cost of living. And so I was able to keep my cost low, but I actually had savings so that I could, instead of moving to my next sales job, 
I'm actually getting a chance to pursue more creative projects. And that takes time to build money, quite frankly. I'm not exactly living off of that income. But at the same time, anything takes time. And I've really seen now how having money saved up provided a cushion for me when I wanted to take this unintended sabbatical. That's so true. Michelle was not necessarily on board with FIRE. She was kind of neither on board nor off board. But when I was getting super interested in FIRE, I had pretty much realized that I can't do my current job for like decades onward. I like my job, but not enough to do it for 50, 60 more years. That seemed pretty insane to me. Especially since your job has a lot of burnout. Yes, it has a lot of burnout. And so when I heard a fire, I saw it very practical, especially for me, because I have a reasonable income. And if I can just save a high percentage of that income, I simply don't have to work forever and actually can retire pretty quickly. I personally thought this was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Michelle, however, was much less interested in fire until until she left her job. Yeah, I will say I had better innate finance habits because I was saving money. But at the same time, I thought that was good enough. Actually, when I left my job before we started this podcast, I wasn't even investing outside of my 401k. So I had a lot of money in my savings, which is not great because up until the last couple of years, we have been on a tear, a positive tear in the economy. So I actually missed out on my money growing over time. And even though I'm living off my savings, I did take a good chunk of that and invest it because I don't need all of that money over the next couple of years, which is great because now the economy is down. So I'm not tempted to touch it. But seriously, though, I am happy that I learned a little bit of personal finance and it really opened up what I was able to do with my life. And I would say, Michelle, that's the one thing about FIRE. A lot of people initially hear it and they think, I don't want to retire early. I'm what would I do? I'm perfectly happy working. This topic doesn't interest me. But the truth is, you're wrong. The truth is, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The truth is, fire gives you options. I think it even gives you like mental options. There's something about just having enough money, like having money where you know you don't have to work for one year, two year, three year, five year, 10 year, even if it's not forever, there's something that allows your brain to be more creative because you're not coming from a place of scarcity. 100% Sammy. I think the thing that really resonates with us is financial independence is really increased financial security. And I think as a movement, especially since now there's like more and more people who've been doing all of this fire stuff, what we're seeing is that none of those people want to retire. Honestly, if you're organized enough to retire early and figure all this out, You probably will get bored doing nothing and just chilling on a beach or whatever it is people imagine when they think about retiring. Yeah, I do think if you're the type of person who can achieve financial independence because it does involve some organization and strategy, you're probably the type of person who, even if you're not trying to make money once you're financially independent, you probably will just because you'll pursue something long enough that will have money as an end goal. Yes, there's something about being orderly and being focus that just leads to money making sometimes. And if it doesn't, you're still okay because you don't need it to make money. 
in terms of doing something, say, creative or something that's more fun, it puts a lot less pressure on your art or your project or your new business venture. Because now you have the runway to work on something without having to worry, oh my gosh, I have to feed my family. I have to make all of these things happen for myself. How can I possibly, you know, I feel desperate that I need to make money doing this. Yeah, Michelle, exactly. Like when you're financially independent, the money part is optional. So it's great if you make money, but you allow yourself more time to really dig into the skills and really get into the, I think for a lot of mavens, maybe the interesting part of learning something rather than focusing on trying to monetize those talents as soon as possible. That's true. And also no shade if you do want to go relax on a beach. Mm-hmm. Live your best life, frugally. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about financial independence too is I do think it also gives you a lot more space to start thinking about things from a spiritual aspect. Because if you think about it, you have Maslow's hierarchy of needs linked in the show notes. And your bottom foundational things that you need is the things that you need to survive food, shelter, all of those things. And so a lot of your mental space is going to be focused on that. I need to set a foundation for myself and I need to be able to survive in this world. As you start to meet your needs, though, you can start to expand your network, which is another thing on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have more opportunity to make connections and also self-actualization. You can sit around and focus on meditating and thinking and give yourself a little bit more space from this hustle and bustle in the world, which I think is so underrated. I don't even say this hypothetically. The amount of stress I felt before I was leaving my job, it took me months before I felt that anxiety melt away, where I felt that stress melt away. And I wasn't even doing anything during that period. I was just I just needed time and space from an environment that had gotten pretty toxic for me. And this, I think, culturally could vary a little bit. But in American culture, it's all about work, work, work. How much work can you do? Oh, this guy's great. He works overtime. It's so tiring and mentally exhausting. I agree, Michelle. There's people who don't need the concept of fire to be fire. Yeah. I remember I went on a date with this guy. And he worked just like a normal job, but he would work this job in the winter time so that in the summer months, like half the year, he would just surf the entire half of the year. And the winter months would kind of cover this summer months lifestyle. And in a way, he's almost like financially independent. Yes, he does have to work every year for six months, but he's kind of created a lifestyle where work is not the center of his life. I think for those of us who maybe aren't comfortable with being that financially insecure, you know, like if there was something like an emergency that happened to him, then that would really throw things off. And I think a lot of us, you know, maybe we're scared of that, or maybe we've got a family or, you know, other people to worry about. So that's not a realistic option for us. And that's where fire comes in. And it still provides that security, but allows for the freedom as well. That is so true, Sammy. I don't think you would need fire if you didn't have neurotic people who were extremely risk-averse. Yes. (laughs) Like, you could live on the beach, you know, and... You could work a nice job that helps pay your bills. Like, there's a way to be happy without all of these things. But it's a framework for people who are 
feeling a little bit trapped by their job. Maybe they don't even dislike their job. They're just not super satisfied with it or they're not super satisfied with their hours, but they're afraid to leave. It gives them a number basically to say, hey, here is a cushion that you can have so that you can change your life if you don't like it. Exactly, Michelle. And I think there's something about having a number that makes a difference because otherwise you just don't know how much money you will need over your lifetime. But there's something about, you know, having a number where you can be like, hey, I'm halfway there. I'm three quarters of the way there. I'm a fourth of the way there. You have like a realistic, tangible idea of when you'll reach this number that is pretty much infinite supply for you. And that changes everything. You know, you say that a lot of people might feel trapped at their jobs. And I think truthfully, even if you like your job, I think jobs can be so time consuming. You know, I don't think <laughs> we were put on this earth to be <laughs> these jobs take a lot of time. <laughs> like I, I remember as a kid, you know, I'm like, I don't want to get married or have kids. I'm sure I'll have so much fun. And then I'm like, kind of work a lot. <laughs> kind of like work things like taking up a little bit more time than I expected. It's like I gotta work all day, and then I gotta go home and I gotta work, but now I got emails on my phone. It's like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, it's kind of a lot. It was so annoying. <laughs> and like I feel misled. <laughs> Yeah, sure, you could quiet quit, but you can also (laughs) just save up enough money so that you don't have to work forever. And, you know, I'm not trying to be flippant about it, but at the same time, sometimes it's not as hard as it seems. You know, if you're buying a lot of things that you really don't need, just take that money and invest it instead. And you can actually provide a lot of freedom for yourself. I agree, Sammy. Actually, I think that highlights like a misconception of things like financial independence and FIRE. Because there's one end of the spectrum, again, like where you're trying to just make ends meet. And really, FIRE is, is targeting the, hey, you are spending money on things that you don't really value. That's why we talk so much about what do you value? Are you spending money on clothes, cars, a home, shoes, food, etc.? Like you don't value all of those things equally. And if you can take some of those things out, then you can actually buy time. That's the biggest thing you're trying to buy. You're trying to buy time in the future. Some people, hey, if you do love all of those things, that's totally fine. Work work until the end of days. Like that's how everybody is doing it. It's not a big deal. But if you can eliminate some of those things, even if it's like you can find like $50, $100 a month, that can make such a big difference. You know, Michelle, when you were just talking about it and you said this whole, you're buying your time, that's actually what fire is Mm. you're literally purchasing your time back it can be hard to describe to somebody else but like once you start doing it for yourself you'll really see all the value of having financial independence as a framework exactly for a takeaway let me give you the quick framework look at your life are you happy and satisfied with how you're spending your time are you happy and satisfied with the work that you do Are you happy and satisfied with how you're spending your money? If you answered no to any (laughs) of those questions, fire might be something that's worth looking into. Mm -hmm. Just take that amount that you spend every year, times it by 25, get an idea of how much money you would need to live forever. If it seems like a big number, maybe you could spend a little less and then your number would be smaller. And it's all about baby steps. It's not about eliminating every single thing in your life. That you're barely getting by so that you can do all of this. It's about learning about personal finance, which is why we talk so much about personal finance on this podcast. 
because there's just a lot of things that we just didn't know. Yeah, it's not just because we're into the math of money. Sammy is, but like that's less interesting, so me. But it has a bigger purpose. <laughs> yes, there is an end goal, and that end goal is to help educate so that if you do have the means to do this, it can just really open up so much for you. And it really has opened up a lot for us. We're not even at the end of the journey. We're just in the middle of it. And we are happy. Mm-hmm. I the, mean, I'm basically true. fire. I just don't have all the money yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Michelle, you know, she's she's not working or she's not at least earning income from her work. But I'm not earning income for anything, just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> but she's I don't, want, I don't want no gray area there. <laughs> <laughs> but she's yeah, we, we don't need we don't need drama. She's she doesn't have money. <laughs> she's not gaining money from anything, but she has money. And because of the money she has, she doesn't really have to work. And she can figure things out, figure out what she likes. And whenever she wants to start working again, she can. And it's those kind of options that come with financial independence. Exactly. Even if you're not all the way there yet. I think it's understated even how these like little positive habits that you build are actually the things that make the journey so much better. Like I'm sure getting to the end goal is like good and satisfying. But sometimes it's just nice to know that you are building for something, that you have an emergency fund, you have a backup if something happens. Like we're just trying to give you a little bit of extra mental space. And then our next goal is to get you to alignment. Finance and spirituality. They just go hand in hand. So true, Sammy. I love that. Anyway, let us know your thoughts. You know where to find us. You can email us, text us. What's the other options? You can send us a message on Instagram. We love to hear from you guys. Let us know your thoughts. Have you adopted financial independence since listening to this podcast or made any big changes? We would love to hear it. Yes. If you've calculated your fine number, if you've started saving up money, like we want to know because I love to hear about other people's journeys as well. So yeah, reach us, email us, Instagram, all the things. But most importantly, Be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and we rethink the status quo. Hey there, welcome to our after show. Hello. We are done talking about fire. Hope you guys enjoyed that refresher. We just chat a little bit at the end of the show, talk about different things that are on our mind, but you can exit now if you want to. Okay, for those of you who have remained. Our favorites. Our favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We're talking about nails today. Oh, yeah. So I had a specific complaint. Not a complaint. (laughs) Here's the thing. If you want to practice good boundaries, go to a nail salon and ask for anything other than gel nail polish. Mm -hmm. Anything less than gel and you will have an exercise in boundaries. Oh, yes. Which you think you got it. You think you have it figured out. My story is that my friend and I, Suhela, shout out, we went and got our nails done, which isn't something I do a lot because I do enjoy painting my own nails, but it was fun. And I definitely, definitely, definitely did not want gel nail polish because we live in a small town and I did not want to come back to this town and not be able to remove my nail polish. This is a real problem. So I tell the guy, no, Joe, immediately. He responds, why not? And I give him a little bit of this backstory. And he doesn't say anything, I think, because it's the most ridiculous excuse anyone has ever made. (laughs) (laughs) Then I choose a color. 
Next thing you know, he's coming in with that little UV machine for your nails. And I said, no gel, no gel. And he's like, no gel. And I'm like, no gel. Then he comes in. He brings these gel nail polishes. And I'm like, no gel. But at that point, I was like, I don't really know what he's going to do. And he's like, yeah, he's like telling me that he understands what I'm saying. He brings the UV thing again. I'm like, no. And he's like, (laughs) so he paints my nails with gel nail polish but he has me like dry them and like do them normal like without gel and i don't know the science behind this stuff like i don't know what that uv stuff actually does but i was just like so frustrated because i was like why can i not just come in and get a normal manicure why do i have to be forced into getting a gel manicure you know you make a real good point because i also went to get my nails done and i was like hey can you cut my toenails because She's like, oh, I just want to shape them. And I was like, no, mine grow quite fast. She didn't want to do it. You know, let me tell you something. It's not even that they grow fast, okay? Sammy doesn't cut her toenails. Okay. Okay. Let's not be rude. Sorry. (laughs) But, you know, I thought maybe she doesn't want to risk giving me an ingrown. So, you know, respect. But then she also was obsessed with putting gel on my toenails. (laughs) And I'm like, no, they grow really fast. Like, the gel is just going to be so weird. And I'm not trying to get my toenails done all the time, you know? Like, I just want a color that I can eventually start to wipe off when it looks bad. Exactly. It's so true. And I get why they push the gel. It's cheaper, faster, and you're forced to come back because there's no way to get it removed otherwise. So business-wise, I understand it makes sense. And I even understand why they push it. Because honestly, I have been convinced many a times to just switch to gel. So it is advantageous to them as business people. But I like... It feels like even when you're winning, you're losing. Like if you come out, if you go get your nails done and you ask for a normal manicure and you come out with a 100% normal manicure, you have good boundaries. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yes. You can now enter any Indian home and you will have no problem. Mm -hmm. You can say clearly you know how to set your own boundaries. Exactly. They won't like you very much, but that's you. (laughs) you won't care because you have such good boundaries. Can't even imagine that kind of lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, literally. But it sounds amazing. We want it for sure. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening to our gel polish rant. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween.